It's almost midnight somewhere in this world we call home. There's just enough time for some more stories. Some stories before 12, just to keep us warm. Haunted history, urban legends, ghost towns, and more. Next stop, the Pop of Zero podcast. Welcome to the Pop of Zero podcast. I'm your host, Matt, and... I got everybody here today with me, so I'm a very happy person. Um, we got Dave. Hello. We got Joey, the voice. <laughs> the voice. I want. And uh, uh, what's your name? Oh, Rob. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna talk about something today that. Um, has been on the back burner for about a year, year and a half, because of Christy and Tyler wanted us to do this. And we've been busy with the other podcasts and videos, so we're going to get this monkey off our back today, and it's about little-known serial killers. And we were talking earlier about this. Uh, some of you people might know these serial killers, but to the general public, they uh, they probably never heard of them. So a lot gonna... of times, you know, knowledge of it goes with region, so it might be very popular here, you know, but right. not necessarily that's two one. states over. I got I got one that's actually probably Joey's probably never heard of it, but it's an actual serial killer around here. So, uh, we'll get started. I want to read the definition of a serial killer. I know we don't do this a lot, but it's a pretty interesting, I guess, when I went through this, I thought this was pretty interesting. A serial killer or serial homicide is an unlawful killing of two or more people by the same person. A serial killer happens as separate events at separate times ranging from hours to years. Each usually shares a multiple similarities and are connected in one or more way. Serial killings are different from the mass murders because mass murders kill multiple people at one place and time. Police and criminal investigators have categorized serial killers into two groups, the classic and spree. Classic usually involves a period of stalking and is in sexual in nature, and spree is usually random and carries a certain thrill of the murder. And with that, we have, like, the different characteristics and motives in serial killers, and Joey did a uh, fine line of finding these, so I'm going to have him do that. So the uh, there's a couple of different serial killer classifications, I guess you could call them. There's a, there's a visionary uh, murderer believes they're being told to kill by a person or an entity. Um, there's mission-oriented. Uh, they kill in order to delete or remove certain groups from society. Um, hedonistic. Kills for their own pleasure, usually sexual in nature. And uh, the power control motive. Uh, fantasizes about having power over another person. So, everyone pretty much falls into one of the four. You agree, Dave? Sure. All right. I don't have a ton of familiarity <laughs> with the categories. I, I didn't look into that aspect of it. Yeah, I, I found that to be pr pretty fascinating when we found that out. So I wanted to throw that in there. 
Um, we'll get started with some of the um, lesser known serial killers and I'll hand the reins over to Mr. Dave right now. Alrighty. So before I get started, the FBI believes that there's up to 50 serial killers in the United States at a given time. So if all things were equal, that's one serial killer per state, something to think about. Additionally, uh, metrics that have been done out there that think that each of us passes within proximity of a murderer, not necessarily a serial killer, but a murderer 36 times in our life. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, you know, that's... that's. Does that include crazy. somebody being in the Army or military? It did not say that. I think the inference was homicide. Okay. Yeah, I, I probably thought that, but that's the only person I know that's ever killed somebody is... Hopefully, and the the looking first, at you guys, the first one that <laughs> wait, what's that? I'm sorry. I, I said uh, hopefully, just somebody in the military looking at you guys. <laughs> Dave has no comment. I have no comment. So you know, first one that that I brought up, which again regionally might not be known. I'm sure quite a few people uh, might still remember this one in Michigan, but it involves kids being killed, but. You know, at the height of my bike riding days would have been around 1988, okay? And in 1988, around 4,600 kids were abducted by non-family members, so not murdered, but abducted. And over 100,000 attempted abductions occurred that year. So when you translate that into how many people are killed by a serial killer each year, we don't know. Right. So, well, and serial killer, dream. they... They're, they're kind of taking the back seat to the mass murderers now. I mean, ever since Columbine, you really don't hear about the glorified serial killers anymore. They're kind of not in vogue like somebody killing 27 people or something. There was an article put out in August of this year by The Hill. Serial killers are becoming a rarity despite Gilgo Beach. What's Gilgo Beach? It, that would be um, Rex Hewerman, I think, is who they're referring to. He's an architect that uh, recently was uh, taken into custody and jailed for killing at least four women. And gotcha. He was a well-put-together type guy versus Richard Ramirez, who you know was a homeless transient. Right. Most serial killers have to put up a guise in order to, you know, go about their daily lives and not look like what they really are. A psychiatric physician named Herbie Cleckley was quoted as saying quite a long time ago, most psychopaths and sociopaths are consummate chameleons able to, through the years, practice and control their brooding rage uh, behind a civilized and even charismatic facade. The term for that is the mask of sanity, where you're putting on a false facade of who you really are. But again, not all these serial killers run the same way. You've got that guy I just mentioned, Rex Hewerman, who was an architect. Richard Ramirez was homeless. So when you're trying to be situationally aware, you got to be just as aware of the three-piece suit versus, you know, a homeless the, guy. their dirty pajamas that you see walking by you at Walmart. <laughs> Yeah, that's another topic. Yeah. So do you have any, Rob? 
one I found that was pretty interesting was a Donald Gaston. He drove around in a hearse transporting the bodies that says, <laughs> uh, I hauled dead bodies. Basically, kidnapping, raping women, cut, bring them up, put, cut them up. He was also cannibalized. He would actually make some of his victims eat part of their own body. Then he used his hearse to dispose of the bodies. So this is when? 19... This is... He was born in uh, 33. He confessed to over 100 uh, killings. Here in the States? In the States. Wow. And he basically advertises what he does. Yeah. And it took him how long to catch him? Uh, it's, it's just basically over the years. See, he died. He died in 91. He was electrocuted. They called him. That's crazy. A little bit of Hannibal Lecter versus, or meets up with Jeepers Creepers. Yeah. yeah. Meets up with a tall man. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. All right. Go ahead, Dave. Give give us another one. All right. So, lesser known, but not necessarily lesser known in Michigan. You heard of the uh, Michigan child murderer? Mm-hmm. Okay. You have, yeah. you have as well. So, we all know. <laughs> but some folks out there might not. And uh, this occurred back in the 70s. This killer was known as the babysitter killer, known as the babysitter, also the Oakland child killer. There's one or two other uh names that they gave this person yet unidentified but yeah it doesn't matter but uh, february 15th 1976 first victim uh 12 year old mark stebbins from ferndale had left an american legion hauling with the plans to go home and watch television four days passed on february 19th after disappearing his body was found um in wide open in a office parking lot no attempt to conceal the body December 22nd of the same year, a Royal Oak girl, Jill Robinson, left her house uh, following an argument with their mother over dinner preparation. And a day later, a bicycle was found behind a hobby shop. And then on December 26th, her body was found lying along I-75 within view of the police department. Wow. So he's like mocking them. January 2nd, 1977, 10-year-old Christine Mihalik of Ber- uh, Berkeley uh, was reported missing by her mother. She had gone to 7-Eleven and never returned home. Three weeks after her body was discovered, a postman on a rural road near Franklin in Michigan found her body and had been laid alongside the road within view of all the neighborhood homes. So again, no attempt at concealment. And then March 11, 1977, 11-year-old named Timothy King was abducted and killed and uh, his body was discovered in a ditch in Livonia out of these four the two boys had been sexually abused the girls had not been each of them appeared to have had their clothes laundered prior to being placed uh, at at the spots where the bodies were discovered and one boy Prior um, to him being killed, his Timothy King's mother had printed an article in the Detroit newspaper saying, you know, please 
release my son. I want him to come home. I want him to have his favorite meal, which is Kentucky Fried Chicken. And when they found his body and they did an autopsy, just before being killed, he had been fed KFC. So this person, whoever this person was, was following everything in, in the news. And there were many suspects in the case. Uh, to be certain, some anonymous writer uh, known as Alan penned a letter to a psychiatrist named Dr. Bruce Danto, who was involved in the investigation. And Danto arranged to have a meeting with this individual named Alan, but he never showed up to the meeting. A guy named Archibald Sloan, who was a known pedophile and uh, suspect. This, this one's weird. He had fibers in his vehicle that matched fibers on uh, two of the kids, but the hairs did not match Sloan himself, so he was never arrested for the murder. There's, there, there must be something else going yeah, on there. Yeah, because that doesn't make sense. Uh, there was a guy named Theodore Lamborghini, or Lamborghini that was considered a top suspect in the case. He was convicted on other sex-related crimes. And in regards to him taking a plea deal, they offered him a plea deal in regards to another crime that had been committed. And part of the plea deal would be he would have to take a polygraph test regarding questions around these four kids. And he refused to take the polygraph test. And then there is a guy named Chris Bush who was a suspect. He was brought to light by one of the family members of Timothy King, and they wanted Bush investigated by the Michigan State Police. Bush had a prior history of child porn involvement, and incidentally, coincidentally, in 1978, he allegedly committed suicide. Uh, despite the fact that uh, when they found him, there was there was no blood splatter and his body was wrapped in sheets, but he committed suicide. What was worth noting when I was looking over his stuff is his father, I believe it was, at the time was a very high-ranking individual in uh, General Motors. Hmm. Yeah. Do you remember that, Ron, when all that happened? A little bit. Yeah, my, I remember it well. <clears throat> Because that was my, I mean, I was, I think, eight or nine. And uh, typical 70s kid, you know, get out of the house. and Dawn to dust kid, yeah. Um, hit the newspapers and stuff. She would drop me off at a friend's house or they would be dropped off at my house. We weren't to walk the neighborhood to their house. We, we always had to be in groups. When we got done... We'd call our pants and they'd pick us up. Yeah, I was the opposite. I was out the door. No, the, at, I mean. At 9 a.m. And my parents didn't hear from I, me for 12 hours. But how old were you when you were in 77? Oh, I was a wee tot then. Right. Yeah. This is when it, this was going on. Ah, uh, I see. What you, yeah, okay. And uh, abundance of caution. Yeah. Yeah, because it was, you know, as soon as 8 30, 9 o'clock hit, unless it was Saturday watching cartoons or. Playing basketball in the wintertime up at the gym, it was where we were gone until the lights came on. So, a little weird. I was like, 
this is in Detroit. You know, when you're a kid, I thought Detroit was like Miami. You know, it's in Detroit. What are you so worried about? Mm -hmm. You know, because I didn't, I don't think I went to Detroit till I was like eight or nine. But yeah, it was, I remember that because my mom said, and I had to walk to elementary school, but we would literally gather four or five kids and then walk together and same thing if you were caught by yourself you got your ass whooped <laughs> so yeah that, that hits home i remember that vividly and before that it was the uh a well-known one was in atlanta oh the atlanta child murder yeah yes. that and i think i remember my mom and dad thinking it was almost like a copy i remember them I, I don't comprehend what they're saying, but they're basically saying mm -hmm. that and there was they're like trying to copy that guy because freeway phantom at the same time, right down south somewhere I believe or DC. But one of the, two. the Atlanta one was one of the first black serial killers. Mm -hmm. So you want me to go? Oh, um, I'll give you some facts first. Um, Just the facts <laughs> or some trivia. Only one American. Serial killer killed, confirmed over 30 people out of the top 100 serial killers. Uh, some people, this one's kind of obvious, some people are romantically drawn to serial killers. In 87, there were 128 convicted serial killers operating in the United States. That's, I'll give you those, but I may give you one. That was outside the States, but this is very, very fascinating. His name was Louis Gravito. He was born in Colombia, and he's he killed over 160 people. Law enforcement's last. Right. Me, me and Dave are texting back and forth. Um, a lot of the um, serial killers outside the United States, they've killed 60, 70, 80 people before they get caught because they're not as good as our law, boys in blue. But he, when he went on trial, he confessed to the crime, all the crimes, and the court found him guilty of killing 138 people. And he is sentenced to 853 years in jail. And he ended up dying, but he was just, I, I, I can't even fathom killing 100, I can't fathom killing one, let alone 138. Um, he started in uh, 1992, and he killed a 13-year-old boy. And then right after that, later the month, he killed his second victim, and he was a young boy. And he would target the people on the street and stuff like that. He would sexually assault them and torture them. The police found a mass grave of over 36 children in his backyard, and this prompted authorities to initiate a massive investigation. Upon further investigations, the police were discovered at the crime scene that led them to uh, Gravito's house and his girlfriend. When they approached him, the girlfriend gave him a bag with all his belongings and said that she didn't know anything, but he's got to leave the house. And they got to know everything about the murders in this bag he committed and issued a warrant for him. So they called, and his nickname was the Beast of Columbia, and 
he ended up dying in prison um, this year at the age of 66 due to cancer. But I, I just can't, when we started doing little research on this, I mean, a hundred, Jack the Ripper killed seven. Roundabouts. Yeah. Five, seven. And he's like this world famous <clears throat> guy where this guy's killed 138 people. You know, only the diehards probably know of this guy. And I never heard of him until we started. Uh, Christine and Tyler gave us the ball to chew on with this. So, what do you think about this stuff, Joey? <laughs> well, it's, I don't know if, like, shocking is the right word. Obviously, I wasn't running around in the 70s. But, you know, anymore, they've been so romanticized and, right. you know, blown up in my culture, at least, that it's like, oh, Ted Bundy. Oh, John Wayne Gacy. Oh, this guy was a clown. It, like, you don't hear about these guys that have killed, you know, 30, 40, 50, 140 people. Right. And it's it's like, geez, man. I was just trying to look up, uh, like, some of the deadliest people in history. Top ones that show up. You got, like, dictators, and you got high-ranking military people, like, 100, maybe. Right. And these guys. And these guys are going under the radar, and you don't even know about them. Right, and like Dave said, the police down in, well, actually, I'm not bragging, but uh, like Mexico hardly has police. Their police is military. Yep. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are in Mexico, and we're on a bus driving, and we went by, and there's a Humpy with a 50-millimeter machine gun on the back. Mm -hmm. And my wife's like, what's that? I'm like, that's a police, and her eyes got buggy, and I'm like, well, they don't really have a police presence no warning shots fired right <laughs> rpg yeah, when we were down there with our jazz band we were walking through one of the little plazas in one of the small towns they're they're walking around them 16s on their or ak-47 strapped to them just walking through the town yeah and people think that america's got problems which we do but yeah. i mean we have a police force where most of these I hate to say it, but poorer countries, their military is basically their police, so a lot of this stuff doesn't go unnoticed. Next one I have, anybody who has Apple TV might be familiar with uh, this guy now. It figures that, you know, when we started planning <laughs> this, it was a long time ago, and now, now there's a um, movie or a limited series, I can't remember what it is, that, that will involve this individual but this guy is a suspected serial killer and law enforcement when they took him into custody didn't know if they had themselves a serial killer or a serial confessor and the guy that i'm talking about is larry Dwayne hall he was born in wabash indiana in december of 1962 and he and his brother were um, monochorionic twins meaning they shared a placenta and so Larry's brother, Gary, took uh, the majority of nutrients and oxygen that was being supplied. And this left Larry cognitively uh, delayed. So that being said, it's a curious case how this guy managed to operate. He had an IQ of just 85. 85 is the low end of the 
average spectrum, I guess you'd call it, supposedly 85 to 115 points, but grew up very poor. His father was a, a grave digger, and around 12 years of age, Larry started helping his dad dig graves, but that wasn't the only thing that they did. Larry's dad would uh, open up the caskets and rob the corpses of valuables, and this provided Larry with uh, some desensitization because he's, you know, looking at handling and desecrating dead people's bodies. Larry's brother Gary commented that he felt that his brother was just evil. That kind of harkens to uh, Michael Myers. But if you see Larry Hall, you, he's no Michael Myers looking kind of guy. Um, he struggled through school. Uh, because of his cognitive delays and started getting into trouble as a teenager for vandalism and they, they suspect even possibly arson. Following high school, he briefly got a job as a janitor and then he got into Civil War reenactments. And he started traveling around the Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin, Michigan area, wherever there were Civil War reenactments. He would go to these and everywhere that uh, Larry would go, girls started disappearing. And this was an outlet for him being an introvert, but it would become a cover. This would be his mask of sanity, if you will. Uh, though it's not known for certain, they believe that he's been killing since the very, very early 1980s. One victim that they believe that he killed uh, was in 1982, a lady named Naomi Kidder, while she was hitchhiking in June of 82. Uh, come September of the same year, her remains were found in a partially dug grave, and she had uh, died of strangulation. Of all of his alleged victims, since again, we're not dealing with a convicted serial killer, uh, they his victims would either be stabbed or strangled. And some were tortured, some were raped prior to being murdered. And after murdering them, he would frequently dismember the bodies and then have sex with the corpses. Uh, Before or after dismemberment? I don't know. That's just... I, just <laughs> I, I, my, <laughs> the picture in my head, went, I'm like, oh my gosh, that'd be... And this isn't an... Uh, this is a common thing. Uh, the Green River Killer mm -hmm. would go back to his victims weeks right. after they were dead and sweep the maggots away. And, you know, <laughs> it's, I don't know, I can't comprehend it. September 23rd, 1993, there was a 15-year-old girl named Jessica Lynn Roach who was last seen riding her new bicycle less than a mile away from her home. And this was in Georgetown, Illinois. November 8, 1993, her remains were found in a cornfield near Perrysville, Indiana. And her remains were found following a witness coming forward saying that she had seen a strange-looking man come out of the cornfield and get into a van and drive off. Uh, this was around the same time as her disappearance. And... This person coming forward led to other individuals coming forward with tips. And one of the tips came from a girl who she had been hanging out with friends and this van started following them. I, I believe he tried interacting with them. 
They were creeped out. He drove off one of them, got his license plate number. That license plate number was passed on to the police, and that led them to Larry Hall. Up to this point, he had never been under suspicion for anything by the police department. Uh, when he was called in for questioning, uh, Detective Gary Miller, he was the chief investigator for Vermilion County, showed Larry Hall a photo of Jessica. And when he was showed the photo, he recoiled and turned away and covered his eyes. And he eventually confessed to killing uh, Jessica Roach. And then he would ramble on about other missing girls. He said, I can't remember all of them and that all the girls looked alike. I can't remember which ones I hurt. One of which was a university student, um, Trisha Wright Reitler. In 1994, Hall was arrested for the disappearance of Jessica Roach, the girl who had been uh, riding her bicycle. He would be convicted of her kidnapping, but not her murder. And they were able to get him on conviction of kidnapping because of evidence they found in his van. And for this kidnapping, he would receive a life sentence. And investigators believe that there were many more victims of Hall, uh, possibly upwards of 50. Wow. And if true, this would make him one of the more prolific serial killers in, in the United States of America. But going back to this low IQ, you have someone who isn't, you know, the sharpest crayon in the box, and he's gone around and possibly killed up to 50 women and not been caught. They couldn't get a conviction for anything that uh, he had said because every time he would say, yes, I killed this person, I killed this many people, blah, blah, blah. Then he'd completely turn around, recant, say, I, I made it all up. These are, these are dreams that I had. I didn't really kill anybody. So no evidence. All they get is the conviction for kidnapping, and he goes to prison. They want a confession out of him. They want to try to bring closure to a lot of these unsolved cases. So now enters a guy named Larry Keene. And Larry Keene was a Chicago businessman who had been sent to prison on drug charges. He was serving a 10-year sentence. And so the FBI approached him in 1998 and said, hey, if you want to go essentially undercover, we're going to pull you out of the prison you're at. We're going to put you in a maximum security prison where Larry Hall is. And we want you to befriend him. And we want you to get a confession out of him. If you do so, we'll commute your sentence and you'll be a free man. So Larry gets put in this prison. He slowly, excuse me, Keen gets put in this prison. He slowly uh, befriends Larry Hall, buddying up to him, buddying up to him. And eventually uh, he, he gains Hall's trust and Hall confesses to killing a university student named Trisha Reitler. One day, Keen goes to the prison wood, uh, wood, wood shop, and Larry Hall is there, and he's got a map in front of him with Michigan, Illinois, Indiana, maybe Ohio, and there's dots all over the map. And then he has carved wood falcons 
all over the map. And he says to Larry Hall, what's this about? And he goes, oh, it's nothing. And he goes, well, what about the Falcons? And he says, well, they watch over the dead. And Keen at that point thought, okay, this is the smoking gun I need. He completely flipped his script and said, you're a sick MF. And there was a physical altercation and Keen got tossed in the hole. He tried making contact with the individual in the FBI, and the FBI couldn't be reached. His and his, the guy he would be informing to couldn't be reached. By the time Keen got out of isolation and put back in general population, the map was gone, the Falcons were gone, and to this day, he is just serving out a life sentence for kidnapping with the possibility of 50 murders under his belt. And he wrote a book. He wrote a book, and now there's a uh, movie or series, miniseries on Apple TV called Blackbird. And I had started researching Larry Keen, or doggone it, Larry uh, Hall, prior to knowing that that movie came out. I'm like, oh, I've not heard of this guy. And then, oh, well, I guess I can just watch this. <laughs> get, yeah, get he, uh, of it. yeah, I knew about that guy, and I, I feel so bad. I mean, he got his emotions ahead of him and literally blew the case and mm -hmm. end up, didn't he have to serve the rest of his time? He and, ended up, even though he did not, they wanted concrete evidence. Right. They still considered it good enough and they commuted a sentence. When I thought that he had to serve out his sentence because he lost control. I mean, he had him nailed to the wall mm -hmm. and okay, good. I don't feel so bad so, now. <laughs> Again, though, you have a person who is is not bright and has managed to get a, away with this. And you would think more people out there would have seen something, said something. Uh, well, I was saying, because you, you brought that up, you know, prior to this, um, with him being a low IQ, a lot of people get comfortable with killing and then they get sloppy and with him and what i'm thinking is with him having a low iq he probably isn't doesn't get too comfortable with it does that make sense at all and so he does he the same thing gotten, over and over again he covers, arrogant. right and mm -hmm. he's covering his bases out that's why it was hard for them to catch him <clears throat> when i read about him there was a scene in The Simpsons years ago where Homer was arguing with somebody and they called him stupid. And he said, yeah, stupid like a fox. And that's immediately where I went with this Larry Hall character. It, it's a puzzling case. And again, you know, the whole mask of sanity applies. He's pretending to be this reenactor for Civil War stuff and it's just perplexing to me that that he wasn't never caught previously. The opposite of Dave from the intelligence kit, <laughs> uh, Patrick Kearney, in the mid seventies in California, was known as the trash bag killer. Mm -hmm. uh, bodies uh, between uh, of men between. The age of five and 28 were being found on the sides of the roads and wrapped in trash bags. They were 
He'd kill them, assaulted, and dismembered the bodies. He was only linked to it when somebody recognized him with one of his victims just previously, before he disappeared. Guy had an IQ of 180. Holy oh, moly. Hmm. He was an electronic engineer. Uh, thing is, is that they don't know if he was really the main killer because he lived, lived with his partner. And they figure his partner was the one that was actually doing the killing, and he was—he just got caught. And but uh, his final confession rate was up to thirty-two people confirmed twenty-one of them, and it, they believe it could be as many as forty-three. And he's right now—he confessed eighteen murders. To get a life in prison, imprisonment in California, he's still sitting on in uh, California prison hmm. from the mid seventies. <clears throat> How old is he now? What? It doesn't give a three year. curveball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of um, a lot of these mass serial killers. The toolbox killers is a. Uh, I believe a Showtime or a Stars miniseries that was on Little Known Serial Killers Are Coming Out of the Light. There's one I watch, I can't remember, and I'm not going to say, but it's about a guy that killed upwards to 80 women, and he recently passed, and he befriended a author. And I'll probably put it in social media where I found it. I thought I wrote it down, and I didn't. Well, I have one locally. Um, Joey's quite a bit younger than us. Um, do you remember the Flint Serial Slasher? Flint Serial Slasher? Yeah. Was he a, just a slasher or a killer? Uh, he, oh, I'll tell you about it. Okay. <laughs> um, there's a suspect with a string of 18 stabbings from uh, May 1st to August 10th, which resulted into five deaths. Um, his name was Elias Elbazium. El he was uh, born in Egypt, and his parents came over here. Most of the attacks occurred in Genesee County, in and around the Flint area. But there is five stabbings elsewhere. There is three in Virginia and one in Toledo. What year was this? 2010. 2000. You don't remember yeah. it? Uh, the, I couldn't remember what year. Oh. I thought it was recent. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> me being I thought it was a, older. <laughs> a morbid person, I'm like, Flint finally has a serial killer. I mean, that sounds mean. <laughs> finally? <but> wow. <laughs> I'm that that, sure that was my first time. I mean, I hope they caught the guy. but And he went after usually real skinny black men. And he was convicted in Michigan, and they will not or he refuses exoneration, I don't know which one, to Virginia and Ohio. So he is only convicted of one. Oh, they want to extradite him? Yeah. Okay. And I think him or Genesee County or the state of Michigan refuses. I remember when that ha was happening, it, it was kind of, it gave you a little creepy vibe when all that stuff was going on. Um, You know, there's a lot of violence 
around and you know people getting stabbed and stuff you don't really think about it but then when they say a serial killer all of a sudden it mm -hmm. but the guy was uh like i said he was born in egypt he was looked middle eastern but he was i think six five six five yeah, yeah. huge huge guy so and again he wasn't a white male so that was kind of he was out of the yeah most serial killers are white males that one hits home for us for being local boys. But, yeah, he was either called the Flint Serial Slasher or the Flint Serial Stabber. From from the data I looked up, the cumulative number of serial killers uh, since the United States formed is around 3,600 over all these years. That's a lot of... That's freaky. Yeah. But, and like I said, when I did my little research on this, we're not even like the top country. The Colombia, Mexico, uh, actually, I believe uh, Holland had a lot of them. And then uh, they say that less than 1% of all murders are serial murders, too. So just do the math on that. How many people actually get killed? Mm -hmm. Background checks for everyone. And failed. The one place you don't hear too many of them is Canada. Uh, yeah, but look at the population. Yeah, they're so polite. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> they invented hockey. They beat the crap out of each other and get like three minutes penalty minutes. Yeah, they get their aggressions out. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Yep. So I think that wraps it up, don't it? I would say so. Yep. Yep. I mean, this, this is a topic that trying to find lesser-known serial killers that were just way, way under the radar, there's really no such thing. It's been done and done to death. So trying to come up with a list of folks that nobody's heard of was, was impossible for quite a while. I pulled three books and... I would do my research, and nope, this one's more known than what they appear to be. There's, yeah, uh, and again, it's a regional thing. Some some of these killers are very well known in their home state or whatever. Well, and a lot with all these different platforms now, with YouTube and the podcast and Peacock, Netflix, you know, all these. The I mean, they have a Discovery has the ID channel. For God's sakes, you know, for it's basically what I call it is kill your husband channel because my wife was, <laughs> was fascinated with it for about three years. Started to get a little worried. But, uh, yeah, to try to find somebody that has been under the radar was, was really hard. And like I said, there's there was two of them that I watched recently that I the toolbox killer. I know is one of them. But then this other one I seen about four months ago. I just thought of was on stars and he, like I said, I think he, they said, thinks he's killed over 50 women, mm. not confirmed, but, and he's passed and you never heard of him. And he killed more than Bundy, Jack the Ripper, all these glorified ones in the seventies. So, but it, it was fun looking at this stuff. I mean, some facts that I, I came up with was pretty eye opening, you know, that I, Basically thought that England and 
America was the only ones that had serial killers. And like I said, down in Mexico, Colombia, Venezuela area, there there's hundreds of them. And without their police, you know, their police force being so weak that they've been unsolved or probably not even documented. So I want to thank Tyler and Christy for coming up with this. Um, thanks, you guys, for listening in. And if you guys got anything else, uh, email us and we'll we'll try to get it on here. Until next time, take care and God bless. See you. Take care.